I was uh, talking to someone earlier this morning and uh, just basically started out with, uh, hey, how was your week? And, and the response was, whew, it was tiring. Uh, I was talking to someone else uh, a little bit later in the lobby and um, uh, heard from them that um, it feels as if like there is a lot going on is what they shared with me. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life and in Jen's life as we're just going through the day-to-day and we're kind of uh, experiencing what happens in the routine as well as all of the other items that are happening maybe in, in our kids' lives or our grandkids, uh, perhaps so what's, what's going on in uh, exchanges with our parents. And, and it's just this idea of um, uh, awareness that it feels as if like There is a lot going on that if we're not careful, we can get worn out. In fact, sometimes there is this um, exchange that Jen and I will have, and uh, it's just in one of those moments where it's like we're feeling just a little bit tired or we're just feeling a little bit weary, and Jen will look at me and she'll say, what time's our plane leaving? And and I'll, I'll come up and my best response to her is, I wish. You ever have these moments in your life where you just wish you could get on a plane and go somewhere and catch a break, where you could get a little bit of rest, where you feel like, is, you know what, I just need a break. And so maybe there's these times where it would be awesome for you to get on a plane and just like go somewhere. I, I'm all for that, just as long as it's not our plane, because sometimes we all just need a little bit of rest. I don't know about you, but perhaps there are some things that are happening in your life that deep down you wish you could catch a break. You wish that you could wake up in the morning refreshed. Whereas if like as you were looking ahead at the week, you were excited about what was going to happen as opposed to, man, we have got a lot to do. There are these moments in our life where we just feel as if, like, I'm worn out. I'm really tired. I'm not exactly sure how to respond to my kids. I wish I had the answers to help someone else and encourage them so that we all just don't feel depleted. I want to tell you something. We've already received everything we need in order to get rest. Unfortunately, more times than not, we miss it. And we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones who miss that what has been given to us, that we can find this refreshing and this restoration and have the energy uh, to face each challenge through our life. Uh, we can look back in uh, the book of Mark, which is what we're going through, uh, and see that uh, there are other people who miss exactly what's been made available to all of us. Uh, Let's get into the Word this morning. If you've got your Bible with you, uh, I encourage you to open up to Mark chapter 2. Or if you're using an app or uh, whatever might be on your electronic device, open up to the book of Mark. Uh, We've got the notes already open there for you if you're tracking along uh, on the app uh, in the sermon notes. 
But, but here's what we know is that as we move through the book of Mark, we're seeing how Jesus is revealing his identity to the people, not only who were with him, but also to you and to me. It's so important for us to recognize who Jesus is, what it is that he wants us to experience in his identity as well as everything that he has come to bring us. And so I want to encourage you to, to grab a hold of your Bible uh, be ready to see what it is that Jesus has a store for you. Because I'm confident that if we'll really lean in today and, and listen to who Jesus is, we're going to find something that I'm, that I'm positive that every one of us needs. It's what we've seen through the life of Jesus so far as Mark shares it with us, is that he is healing lots of people. Uh, they come to him with all kinds of sickness and diseases. Jesus touches them, speaks, whatever it might be, and they receive a healing. And there's been some people that have been possessed and, and filled with these evil spirits. Jesus has cast out these evil spirits. He set people free. And when Jesus grabs people to, or act more accurately, when people come to Jesus and start to listen to him talk, they re- recognize that he's speaking as one who has authority. And Jesus starts to challenge the religious system. This is no more apparent than what we find in Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 23. Turn with me, and we'll see it here in verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Depending on your uh, maybe just familiarity with God's word, uh, you uh, may or may not recognize this word Sabbath. Uh, You may recall that it actually goes all the way back to day number seven of the creation process we find in Genesis chapter one. It's this idea where God is creating on six days. He speaks things into existence completely out of nothing. God puts all of creation, all of the universe in order. Life has been brought forth through just the words of God speaking them into existence. And on the seventh day, we find that God rested. It's such a powerful image to see that God creates. And then God rests. And so, God gives Moses, again, this is a very familiar character in the Old Testament, the guy with the staff who kind of parts the Red Seas and, and, and what have you. God gives Moses his top ten list of rules to abide by. He calls Moses up on a mountain. And in these top ten list of commands that God wants his people to understand, number four on the list reads this way. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days, touching back to the creation, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. He goes on to say, On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested 
on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Here God is giving some instructions for his people. For everyone who would experience the goodness of God, he wants us to understand. He gives us an example that he, after all of his work, he too rests. And so when we go back to our story in Mark and uh, the Pharisees recognize that Jesus and his followers are picking the heads of grain, uh, they immediately think about rule number four. And they're like, wait a minute. You are doing something unlawful on the Sabbath day. Apparently it was the end of the week. They all understood nobody is supposed to work. In fact, rule number four says no one works on day number seven. But yet Jesus is walking through the grain fields with his disciples and he's picking the heads of grain. What exactly is happening here? Is Jesus breaking his dad's own rules? I mean, is he having a struggle with the authority of his father? Or is there something deeper that is happening? Because God certainly gives all of us his commands. It's what we call scripture. We look at what God wants us to understand who he is and what it means to walk with him and to live according to his ways. He's got something in store for us. But over time, well-meaning individuals who want to make sure that they get it right, make sure that they are abiding by God's instructions, what they do is they really dig in and they'll say, we need to make sure that we cross every T and we dot every I. And so over time, we find in the Old Testament scriptures that they expounded on God's laws. And they institute what is known as an oral law. You see, when God gave his commands to Moses, and we have them recorded not just in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the total written laws or commands that God gave to his people was 613. That is a long list. And it has all these different requirements of what it means to worship, what it means to live obediently to God, his requirements of of following him. But over time, everybody wants to know, okay, so define this. It reminds me of a certain president who says, define is. And sometimes we want to know exactly, and we want to kind of lean in to, okay, I want to make sure you draw the line so I know exactly where it is. And so what they began to do was they began to form what is called the oral or traditional laws. And and we know that there are thousands of these oral or traditional laws that were put into effect in the Old Testament time frame, not contained in the Word of God, but it was basically the spoken traditions that were given out as supposedly just as valuable as the written word of God. And so the Pharisees are leaning into a oral law when they say something about picking heads of grain because it was certain that you could not work on the Sabbath 
And so to pick the heads of grain, some of your versions, if you're looking at it, it might use the word harvesting. Because they're ascribing the idea of reaping and threshing, which is all about working in the fields. So the Pharisees are charging Jesus with breaking an oral law, not a written law. And so Jesus justifies his actions as well as the actions of his disciples in the very next words that he responds to these guys. And he uses the written word to respond to their oral tradition. He says, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? We know he's talking about King David. In fact, in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he, meaning David, entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. But when, when Jesus says, have you never read, he wants to call attention to the fact that they have superseded the word of God with tradition, which is a dangerous practice. And I would encourage every one of us that when we have our own personal preferences, that we don't allow those personal preferences to supersede the written word of God. Where there is liberty, there is freedom. And we need to learn to trust in the word of God and recognize that the authority comes from Scripture and not from the tradition that we hold near to. And so Jesus leans in and he wants them to understand that they're, they're doing something very dangerous and holding up their oral tradition higher than the word of God. And he points out that David was not held accountable by his actions because it was meeting their physical need at the time. And so Jesus says something very important. In the very next verse, he says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You see, Jesus is pointing something out to them, and he wants them to understand simply this. The Sabbath is meant to be a blessing, not a burden. You see, God instructs Israel to remember the Sabbath, the seventh day, a day of rest, and keep it holy because it would serve them if they did. There is certainly a time for work. In fact, I really don't want to burst your bubble, but even before the fall of man, we were given work to do by our Creator. Sometime later, in fact, if you want to now, go ahead and, and uh, go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. You'll find out that Adam was put in the garden to work it and take care of it. This is before the fall, and so we were created to work. It's important for us to recognize that we were created to work. And so in these moments where uh, we feel allow, where we feel as if the work begins to consume us and wear us down, maybe what we have to recognize is that we were also created to rest. Because a regular rhythm of rest will reduce the risk of stress and anxiety that crushes our spirit and it damages the relationship. You see, God knows 
God knows that life is hard. He knows that work is difficult. And so he gives us the Sabbath as a blessing. It's not a burden. It's an example that he set for us. Let's go back to the seventh day of creation. God speaks everything into existence. If you were to go and read through Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light. God said uh, for uh, the waters to, to team up. God said, and he spoke, and he brings all of these things into existence. And then God rests from his work on the seventh day. Why is it that God is resting? Is he tired? Absolutely not. Our God does not sleep. He does not need to be able to, to sleep in order to replenish himself. God, God rests for a completely different reason. God was satisfied with his work. Let that sink in. God was satisfied. He could leave it alone. God knew when enough was enough. God understood that when enough is enough, I can stop, I can be satisfied. But for you and I, or at least for me, it is hard to be satisfied. Just a little bit more and it will be done. Just a little bit more and it will be perfect. It's kind of like cooking brownies. You ever make brownies or ever watch somebody make brownies? You know, the recipe is pretty simple, especially when you're using a box mix to start with. So here's what happens is you take the box of mix, you put a little bit of oil, you put a little bit of water or milk or something like that, you put a couple of eggs into it, you mix it all together, and you preheat the oven to maybe 350, 375, whatever it says on that particular box of brownies. Pretty simple. You know what the hardest part of that whole recipe is? to making brownies, the hardest part is actually taking them out of the oven after 30 minutes. The instructions say you cook them for 30 minutes. The hardest part, if you've ever made brownies, is to actually take them out of the oven after that time frame because here's what happens. You look at them and you're like, they just need a couple of more minutes. And then you set the timer, and it runs another two minutes, and you come back, and you look at them, and and you're like, they just need one more minute. And then you set the timer, and you go away, and you come back when it dings, and you look at them and say, "Just, just a little bit more. And then finally, you take them out of the oven, you sit them down, they cool, and when it comes time to cut them, you need a chisel. Am I the only one? No way. The hardest part of recognizing when something is done is listening to the instructions. God speaks to us. And he says, you need rest. Because enough is enough. For those of you out there who are self-prescribed perfectionists, I want you to go and read Genesis chapter 1 on your own. You're going to hear something, and you're going to read something, and you're going to see something over and over and over in God's description of his creation account. Every day ended the same. It was good. 
it was good. On the sixth day, he said it was very good. You know what God never says? It was perfect. He never says it was perfect. We continue to chase perfection, thinking as if, like, we cannot stop our work until it's perfect. I'm just telling you, the Creator recognized when it was good, it was good enough, it was well done, it was satisfactory to the Creator's intents and purposes. And when we follow and we live and we walk according to the Creator's design for us and to recognize that when He is leading, it is good, really means it is so good. You see, we chase after more and we get worn out so often because we have not figured out when enough is enough. We haven't figured out of when it's satisfactory, when it has reached its point where we have given and now we need to receive. We need to receive the rest that God has provided for us. You see, the Sabbath, it's meant to be a blessing, not a burden. And the Pharisees, they had it entirely backwards. They were acting as if strict obedience to stop all work on the Sabbath was the end-all, be-all. But the command wasn't simply to cease working, but it was to remember. Remember God for who he is and what he intends for every one of us. He wants you to rest. He wants you to be restored, to be refreshed. And in his coming, Jesus becomes the fulfillment of, of God's promise. We see it in these words as Jesus declares, so the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. There's something that Jesus is saying and revealing in this moment as he's sharing his identity with all mankind. That everything that the nation of Israel was looking for to receive on the day of rest can now be found in Jesus Christ. That that rest and that refreshing and that time off, all of that can be found now in Jesus Christ because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. The day off, the peace, the, the, refu- the refueling, all of those things that they were searching for on their day of no work, can now all be found in Jesus Christ. And so, I, I would encourage you to see what it is that Jesus wants you to experience. In fact, I love how the message version of God's word puts Jesus' word from Matthew chapter 11. Here's what, uh, what we find um, in Eugene Peterson's uh, writing. It says, are you tired You don't have to raise your hand. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Jesus says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, 
Jesus says. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus has something in store for us. We keep chasing after all of these things that we think that we can accomplish if we just try a little bit harder. And Jesus is saying, come, learn from me, walk with me. What you're going to find is real rest. I'm going to give you something that will help you live freely, uh, not be overcome with anxiety or stress. So I want to encourage you, come to Jesus and walk with him. Recognize that he has something in store for you, that if you will just take him up on his offer, you will find that following Jesus is a blessing. It is not a burden. Now, after this exchange about the Sabbath, immediately Mark shares another occasion that challenges this thinking of what the purpose of the Sabbath is all about. We see in the very next verse of Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, these words. It says, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. They're keeping an eye on Jesus. The Pharisees, they're looking intently at Jesus, but for all the wrong reasons. The question I would ask you is, do you have a tendency to look for rules where you need to build relationships? Sometimes when we think about church, when we think about religion, when we think about God, we're all of this idea of what are the rules? What is it that I need to let go of? What is it that I need to start doing? What is it that I need to change in my life? And can I just say that instead of looking at the rules, start considering the relationship with the Lord himself. Recognize who Jesus is. Because too often we equate Christianity to focusing on a list of rules, a certain behaviors. Maybe we go back to the top ten list or a few others that someone has shared with us that we've kind of begun to assume is these traditions that we should follow. And we end up minimizing the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe not intentionally, but still we lose sight of what's important. And so near the end of his life, Jesus rebukes the religious leaders for shutting the kingdom of heaven in the face of those who are desperately seeking Jesus. And can I just say that as those who are meant to be lights to a world that is full of darkness, that instead of focusing on rules and shutting the face, the, the doors of heaven, in the face of those that we show them and point them Jesus Christ instead. Jesus has something for them. In fact, we see Mark share it with us there in verse 3 of Mark chapter 3. Jesus says to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. And, Jesus asked, and then Jesus asked them, so he turns to the crowd and he says, Which is lawful on the Sabbath day, to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill. But they remained silent. 
He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Jesus is angry with the religious leaders because the Sabbath is for restoring the diminished, replenishing the depleted, and repairing the broken. But they're so concerned with regulations, they don't want Jesus to even heal the man. Their hearts are as shriveled as the man's hand. If the Sabbath was meant to look back to a time when God created, a time where there was a place of this wholeness and peace, what could be more appropriate than for this man's hand to be restored? And Jesus demonstrates, in effect, that as the Lord of the Sabbath, I can give you rest. I can make you whole again. For this is why he came. Jesus has come so that you might experience rest. He has come so that you might be restored. He has come to give you all that your heart and your soul needs so that you might experience the refreshing that you so desperately long for. Look to Jesus because he wants to offer it to you. He wants to offer it to you today. If you've never claimed Jesus as the Lord of your life, man, I want to encourage you uh, to put your eyes on him and see what it is that he can bring to you. He, He can give you this rest. He can wipe your sins clean. He can give you a life that feels and is full of hope and promise and victory. It's all found in the name Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Lord God, we are so grateful for your mercy and your grace. Lord, I'm grateful for the rest that you provide, that you provide through Jesus Christ, that you provide through times where we can come together and cast our eyes on you and see that you're the one that lifts our burdens. Lord, may we uh, trust in the name of Jesus. May we call out on the work that he accomplished there on the cross on our behalf. God, thank you uh, for Uh, Being a a God who is able to take our sins and our burdens and and remove them from us. Lord, I pray that we will trust in you in all things. We thank you for our time together. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray all this. Amen. Let's stand and let's, let's respond in a time of worship as we recognize the rest that's been given to us. Uh, through Jesus Christ.